this series on James called Surrendered. We are in chapter three. Last week, Jennifer and I talked about uh, taming the tongue, which is a lot of chapter three. It's, it's, it's the bulk of it. And, uh, and, and so James in that first section is, is really talking to spiritual teachers, right? Those who want to guide and lead others in the ways of God. And he follows immediately that, that warning of don't be too eager to be a teacher because then you're held to a, a higher standard. He follows that immediately with advice for people who do want to level up there on, on being mindful and being spirit-led in the way that they talk. Right? So that's the first 12 verses of chapter 3. And here in these last few verses, he's advising us on being spirit-led in the way that we live. So chapter 2, he was talking about faith and deeds, faith and works, acting together. And so this is kind of a part of that. Let's go ahead and read verses 13 through 18, and then we'll, we'll dial it back and we'll, we'll take some of these um, some of these verses and, and see, see what he's doing in each one. So James 3, 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, you got to picture James doing finger quotes. Such wisdom, so-called, does not come down from heaven but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So here he's dealing primarily, as you can tell, with the topic of wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. It's a big deal in James's time. It's also a big deal in our time, but he's talking about different types of wisdom. Uh, and, and it relates to one of the big keys that we've been talking about conceptually over the last month or so, is having, having words and deeds that align with our faith. The key to that is avoiding all of the thoughts and attitudes that don't align with our faith, right? What we're doing, what we're saying is, is a symptom and a measurement of our thoughts, our attitudes, the things that we've been thinking about, the things that we've chosen to believe about God, right? The things we've chosen to believe about ourselves or about other people. And those things that we internalize, they eventually come out. James was talking about that with our speech, and now he's talking about that with the conduct of our lives. It's not, uh, it's not our intelligence. It's not our willpower. It's not our determination as a person that keeps us in line with God's will for our life. We, we, we can't do that on our own. We can't, we can't like, perform in that way to keep ourselves on that line. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do that. It's by the power of the Spirit and the wisdom that comes from God, okay? They say that knowledge is power. You've heard that before, right? Knowledge is power. And that is kind of true, 
but not entirely true. That's like a, a, a piece of the puzzle. So if we think about knowledge versus wisdom, knowledge is important, but you can know something and not know how to apply it, right? You can know something, but not have the wisdom to put that knowledge into use, not have that guiding force to take the things that are in here and make them do something out there in the world. Case in point, for about two years, I was doing this thing that I called the UFD, the useless fact of the day. It's something that started, <laughs> I'm serious. It's something, it's something that I started doing when I was a classroom teacher. Every day, because I'm a trivia nerd, so every day I would go to the top right-hand uh, of my whiteboard. And when I first started teaching, it was the chalkboard, but then it became the whiteboard and so much nicer. And so I would put up UFD, useless fact of the day, and every single day it would be something different. And it came to be that students would walk in, bypass me entirely, like, hey, how's it going? Good to do oh, no, oh, all right. And they would bypass me entirely and like, what's the UFD? No way. Cool. Hey, Shaw, how's it going? You know, and so like I was secondary, the UFD was first. I would have students who weren't in my classes, like dropping by and like, um, what's the, uh, do you want to come in and look at it? Yes. Okay, come on in. So they would come in and look at the useless fact of the day. Now, I have a whole bunch of knowledge taking up space in my brain that I admit is not good for anything. It just isn't. And I want to share a couple of those with you. These are a few actual examples from the useless fact of the day. So Paula, can we roll the first one? Until 2011, Russia classified beer and any beverage under 10% alcohol as a soft drink. <laughs> totally useless, totally facts, totally true. And wow, that, that really changes like the vending machine culture, doesn't it? Would you like a soft drink of that? Heck yes. Absolutely. So uh, what's the next one, Paul? 16-year-old named Bob Heft designed the current 50-star American flag in 1958 for a class project and earned a B minus. <laughs> not cool. Just not cool. I'm, and don't you know, like Bob Heft was like walking around everywhere the rest of his life. Like every time you see him, like, B minus? You kidding me? B minus. That's the kind of thing you take, you take up with the teacher later. Okay, the, the next one is one of my favorites I've ever done. In 2007, the state of Oklahoma designated an official state vegetable. It is the watermelon. And later they thought about changing the state motto for Oklahoma to so close. So close. I love that one. Uh, yeah, state of Oklahoma designated its official state vegetable. It's the watermelon. Oklahoma is okay. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm laughing about the one that I, I'm not doing, uh, that I decided not to do right before service started. Uh, <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't do it. No. I, okay. I asked two people that I trust who are very smart. I asked Jennifer. And I asked Adrian, should we do this one? And they were both like, nah, it's not a good idea. Let's, let's not do that. So, that, 
we, we, we deleted that slide already. But you can go to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with, a ha- with, the, with at here's the UFD, and you can find all of these. There's like 600 of them out there. Yeah, I was very busy for two years. So, but I do, I do like this, and this is one where we bring it back into church. Okay, so we're in church. We've got to talk about the Bible, so here we go. The Bible has been translated into Vulcan, Klingon, and Romulan. There you go. So I, I'm actually planning on reading out of the Romulan standard edition today. It's going to be so great. It's going to sound so mean. All right. So anyway, that's just case in point. There's all this knowledge that I have floating around in my brain because I made all these. I like got all these useless facts and, and made all these things, but it's not doing anybody any good. It's not applicable. There's no wisdom in it. It's just knowledge. It's just, it's just useless. It's not enough to have knowledge. What James is telling us is that we need to have wisdom that guides us in applying that knowledge and doing something with it. Knowledge apart from, uh, James was talking about faith and works being dead. Knowledge apart from wisdom is very much like our faith being apart from our works. Those two things being separated. Faith is internal and works and our speech are the ways that our faith gets applied out into the world. Knowledge is internal. It's all in here. But wisdom is what guides me into getting the things that I know to be true out into the world. It's, it's, the way, it's a way of expressing it. And just biblically speaking, wisdom is a huge deal. Proverbs 4, 7. This is the New King James Version. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Get wisdom. It's foundationally important. And where do you get it from? We're going to get into the rest of James 3 in just a minute. But where do you get it from? James already told us in verse 1. If you want the very best source of wisdom, if any of you lacks wisdom, Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So the the key thing I think we need to understand, and James wants us to understand before we go through these next four verses, is that knowledge we can kind of get on our own. Wisdom, though, it says here, let him ask of God. If you don't have wisdom, ask for it, which means it doesn't come from us. Wisdom doesn't come from us. We have to get it from someplace else. It doesn't come from in here. It comes from out there. So wisdom's a guiding influence that we use to help us decide how we're going to live. And it comes from two places. This is what James is talking about in the rest of this chapter. It comes from two places. So the two places it can come from, really quickly, there's heavenly wisdom. Now, heavenly wisdom, wisdom, obviously, that comes from God. Wisdom that comes from heaven, and if we ask, he will guide us. He will tell us what to do to guide us in the things that we know, the the ways that we're living our life. He'll guide us in principles that will lead us to him. And we see examples of heavenly wisdom in the book of James, in Deuteronomy with Joshua, in 1 Kings with Solomon before his wisdom brought him into a state of pride, and he sort of lost the train, Uh, in, in the lives of Esther and Rahab and Deborah in the four gospels with Jesus, we see wisdom poured out from heaven to guide people here on earth in how he wants them to live. God gifts us 
with wisdom from the Holy Spirit so that we can apply our lives to giving him glory, to expressing his heart, fulfilling his purposes. That's godly wisdom, and it's called the spirit of wisdom, spirit of wisdom and revelation, spirit of wisdom and understanding. It's called the wisdom of God. So that's one source for wisdom. The other place we can get wisdom is what we call earthly wisdom. So that's not necessarily bad. There's actually two, I feel like I need a graph. I should have created a graph. That would have made this easier for me. Um, Earthly wisdom is kind of separated into a couple of different categories. There's common sense, which is the wisdom of man is how the Bible describes that. It's common sense. It's, It's human intelligence. It's what God gave us as people when he designed us so that we can live in this world and make sense of our environment. It separates us from a lot of other created beings. It allows us to innovate and to invent and to adapt to the environment that we live in. So common sense, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that form of earthly wisdom. God gave it to us, but it's limited in its scope. It's limited. Our common sense only takes us so far. Our common sense can't see into the, the areas that God can see into. It can't see that far into the future. It can't see into our own hearts. So our common sense is great for navigating in the, around the world and not bumping into a bunch of stuff. But it's limited and it's fallible. And if we rely too much on it, we fall short of what God is actually calling us to do. 1 Corinthians 2.5 says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. The trouble with relying too much on our own wisdom, common sense, wisdom of man, is that we get too comfortable with it and we start thinking, oh, well, I can do anything. I can figure this out. I can do that. I can reason all of this. 1 Corinthians 2.5 says, don't let your faith stand in the wisdom of man. It's fine for getting you through. It's not fine for helping you to reveal God's purpose and plan in the earth. So the, the, that's one subset of earthly wisdom. Then there's devilish wisdom, which you need like a maniacal, like <laughs> when you say devilish wisdom. Also referred to in the Bible as the wisdom of the age, wisdom of this world. So this type of wisdom, remember wisdom is just a guiding force that teaches us how we should act. It influences us. This type of wisdom, devilish wisdom, is that thing that's at work in us that every once in a while we follow it and it leads us into things that we know are in opposition to the nature of God. In opposition to the way God wants us to live. Things like lying, cheating, hypocrisy, bitterness, greed, unforgiveness. All of these things are devilish wisdom, right? That form of earthly wisdom that either is trying to elevate ourselves or subjugate someone else. And if you find yourself doing that, being guided by forces that are trying to elevate you above others or bring other people down so that you feel like you're above them, that's wisdom that's coming from the wrong place. That's guidance that's coming from the wrong spirit. And we need to address it. 1 Corinthians 2.6, so... 2.5 said that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. 2.6 says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming 
to nothing. And so I get into all this because it's important for us for these last four verses to understand that wisdom doesn't, first of all, doesn't come from us. And second of all, it comes from two different places. And we have to be discerning. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us and search us and keep us in check so that we know what spirit we're of. So that we know what is guiding our actions, who is guiding our actions. Godly wisdom guides us to invite his will into the world. Human wisdom, like common sense, guides us just to survive in this world. Devilish wisdom guides us to divide this world. And in some cases, just burn it down. And so we have to be mindful present with God, inviting the Holy Spirit in so that we know what spirit we are acting out of. And this kind of provides context for what James is writing to us in the rest of the chapter. So James 3.13, he said, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Saying if a person considers himself to be wise or understanding, we should expect that that inner invisible quality is going to result in something external that people can see. What's inside eventually comes out. And he's telling us how, how to judge if a person is really operating in that godly wisdom, what we call the spirit of wisdom and understanding. He says godly wisdom and understanding is evident by good conduct. It's evident by good conduct. It's evident by humility. When somebody is being guided by the Spirit of God, it's not to puff up. You won't find them making a big deal of themselves. You won't find them asking for attention for something that they're doing. You won't find them trying to, trying to garner praise and elevate themselves. They are just following what God is asking them to do. And God gets the glory. Godly wisdom is characterized by humility, by grace, by peace. And it makes God's purpose the highest goal. That's how we can tell what spirit we're operating from. Who gets the glory in this? Is it me or is it God? Is it me or is it the Father? Do people get pointed to Jesus or do they get pointed to me? If they get pointed to me, I'm operating out of the wrong spirit. If they get pointed to Jesus, then he's at work in my life. Because all things point to Jesus. James, uh, we're going to move on in James uh, 3, 14 and 15. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom doesn't come down from heaven, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. When we do good works in a way that's designed to bring attention to ourselves, then we show that we're operating out of earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom is evidence in the same way that godly wisdom is evidenced by humility. Earthly wisdom is evidenced by pride, by arrogance. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, we know that we all have knowledge, but knowledge makes arrogant. If we're operating in the wrong spirit, if we're being guided to apply the things that we know in our lives to build ourselves up, knowledge can make us arrogant. But love edifies. That's the dichotomy. Is, is this wisdom, is this guidance leading me to garner praise for myself or to express the love of God to someone else. And that's how we know. That's how we know what we're 
all about. Earthly wisdom is evident by its self-serving nature. Earthly wisdom is evaluating everything by worldly standards. And then making, instead of making God's purpose the highest goal, when we're operating out of earthly wisdom or when you see someone doing it, it makes personal gain the highest goal. What am I going to get out of this? What am I going to get out of this? How is this going to bless me? Earthly wisdom appeals to senses and emotions. The wisdom that is from God reflects him. And like so many things, right? We talk about this all the time. God's nature is different than our nature. If, you ever, if you've ever, you know, been like at the DMV for a long time, you get this, right? You're like, God's nature is different. God would have grace for a lot of people in long lines and where numbers don't seem to be moving and I've got stuff to do and I've got appointments later on and they don't seem to care. And then they're rude. Um, God, God would have a lot of grace for that. His nature is different. Our nature, and that's why it's so funny, the things that come out of your mouth and sitting in line at the DMV are all measurements of what's going on in your heart. Because whatever's coming out, if it's if it's concerned with personal gain, if it's concerned with how am I going to benefit from this, then it's opposite. It's counter to the nature of God. God's concern and Jesus' concern is to, to, to bless, to draw people to the Father, to see them walking in everything that God has called them to walk in, to serve, to give, the, give your life over so that others may know him. That's a tall order, but it is when the spirit of wisdom and understanding that comes from God is operating in our lives, that's our guide. That's our focus. That's where we're headed. Earthly wisdom, and you can see how, how things tend to run counter to one another, right? God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts higher than our thoughts. Um, he, he doesn't operate by the same set of rules that we think we have to operate by. Earthly wisdom says, no, always follow your heart. Follow your heart. Do whatever seems right to you. Godly wisdom invites the presence in to search our hearts and see if there's anything wicked in us. Earthly wisdom says, well, seeing is believing. But godly wisdom in John 20, 29 said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. They're running counter to one another. Earthly wisdom says, love your family and your friends, which is fine to do, but godly wisdom says, also love your enemies. Also pray for those who spitefully use you and accuse you. Pray for those. Earthly wisdom says there's many ways to God. But godly wisdom says in Acts 4.12, there's only one way to God, and his name is Jesus. His ways, his wisdom, his guidance is so opposite of the, of the things that the world wants us to follow, right? Or that our common sense even has a, a, a conception to do. His ways are higher than our ways, and it produces fruit. We're going to go through these last, uh, last three verses with this thought in mind. Wisdom. Remember, wisdom is just the guidance, the guiding force in your life. That's what wisdom is, the guiding force in your life. Whatever that is, wisdom produces the fruit of its source. Wisdom produces the fruit of its source. If we are looking to God, if we're asking for him to lead us, inviting the Holy Spirit's presence in, then that's the fruit we'll produce. If we're not, we'll produce something very different. James 3.16 says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there 
you find disorder and every evil practice. This is the fruit of earthly wisdom and devilish wisdom. Even if we're just following our own common sense, I say this a lot, everything that originates with people dies. Everything that originates with people, even if it's not bad, even if it's good stuff, eventually it ends. Because we're physical beings. The things we do in this physical world will eventually end. They'll eventually die. Things that originate in God never die. He is eternal. In the spirit, we are eternal. But earthly wisdom, the fruit of it, it it eventually dies. It eventually leads to death. We might be able to accomplish some really great temporary things in the flesh or using human wisdom, but ultimately it results in the fruit of confusion. And James says every evil thing, everything that originates with man eventually dies. Verses uh, 17 and 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then it's peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. The wisdom, the guidance that we receive from the Holy Spirit is wonderful. It's full of love. It's full of a giving heart. It's consistent with God's plans and with his holiness and with his purpose. It guides us in producing fruit that is going to bless and fruit that is going to last. And I don't think it's any accident that when James is talking about the wisdom from heaven and what kind of fruit that produces, it sounds a lot like Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. It's in these things, following the wisdom of God, following the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that we produce this kind of fruit. Yeah? So it's, it, it's, we produce that, that kind of fruit. Um, and James, you know, one of the things I really, really love about the book of James is that he's very practical. Like, he's, he's not, I, I fully admit, like, I'm not an overly, like, mystical type of person. Some people are, like, super mystical Christians, and they're, they, they see things in the spirit, and they, you know, they, they, I almost feel like, ooh, that's kind of cool. I, I wish I could do that, but I feel very firmly planted right here on the ground, observing all the stuff that's physically around me. And, you know, I feel like I'm a very practical Christian. I'm fully aware God moves in the spirit in incredibly mystical ways. And he's used me to do some of those things at times, but by and large, I'm very practical. Practically spiritual. I'm practically spiritual. Um, right? <laughs> yeah. We're aggressively kind and practically spiritual here, here at One Chapel, Liberty Hill. But James's concept of wisdom is incredibly practical. When he's talking about taming the tongue, it's incredibly practical. When he's, talking, when he's talking about all of the things so far that we've studied in, in, in chapters one through three, it's incredibly practical. He says, here's what's going on here. Do this. Don't do that. If you do this, this will result. If you don't do that, then this will be better. And he's very practical, but there is something intensely and deeply spiritual about these 
practices that he's asking of us. About see, because, because what it comes down to is surrender. That's what it comes down to. He's very practical in saying, here's what we should be doing as the body of Christ. And that's all fine. But everything that he's asking us to do as the body of Christ requires surrender. Because it's contrary to everything that we want to do in our human nature. The only one who can take us beyond this human nature, the only one who can overcome all of the things that our flesh wants to do is the Holy Spirit. And that's why this, you know, all, these practic- all this practical advice that he's giving to us is, is deeply spiritually impactful. How do we begin to walk in this kind of wisdom? How do we, you know, we have our common sense and that guides us. Sometimes I know when I mention like devilish wisdom is like lying and, and unforgiveness and all that. We've all walked in that kind of stuff too. We've all been guided by those forces, but how do we maintain our focus on being guided by the things that God wants, guided by his spirit? And the only way to do that is to surrender. The only way to do that is just just to give up. You know, that's not the kind of like pregame speech that you want to give if you're a coach. But then again, the ways of the kingdom run contrary to the ways of the world. And so here, in this context, we do need to give up. We need to surrender. We need to surrender our own will. We need to surrender our own way. We need to surrender our own ideas of what we think is best. Now, sometimes... We surrender those to God, and he responds with, you know what? You were right. This is best, and that is what I want for you. And those are great times. Sometimes we surrender to God because we think something is best, but nevertheless, God, your will be done. I want this, but more than I want that, I want you, and I want you to move in my life. And sometimes we give those things over, and we find that the thing he really wanted us to have isn't even in the same zip code as the thing we thought we needed. Totally different. And if we had been left to our own devices, we never would have arrived there. Because our desire to have our own way is so strong. But that's why, to produce the kind of fruit that God wants us to produce, to follow his guidance, it all comes back. And it always comes back to the heart And it always comes back to surrendering to the Lord. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so, I mean, here at the close of this message, we end up coming right back to chapter 1 of James. Verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you.